Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. It changes everything. It has an effect on everything that we do, everything we say, every place we go. It's that that demonstration of our gratitude. I want us to really get it in us totally because we're talking about really what we call relationships, whether we're talking about marriage, whether we're talking about sister and brother, whether we're talking about uh, children, parents, parents, their in-laws, it doesn't matter, any type of relationships. Everything hinges on the foundation of this particular message that the series that I'm, I'm doing, which is showing our gratitude. How grateful are we really? How grateful are we that Jesus Christ saved our soul? How grateful are we? Are we so grateful that it causes us to demonstrate our gratitude? All of us will say yes, of course. We said that two weeks ago. But do we demonstrate it in areas, areas that we really don't want to? That's the point. I don't mind demonstrating my gratitude for what Christ has done for me in areas where it doesn't really hurt that much. It's really not that great of a sacrifice. But God is calling all of us to a deeper gratitude, a deeper demonstration of that gratitude where it takes us across the line, across the line where we don't want to go. It's across the line where Satan doesn't want us to go. It's across the line where, my goodness gracious, only only the, the sold out go, really. Sold out for Jesus Christ. It, really, we're talking about Apostle Paul, we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about any of the um, uh, people we read about in the Bible, they cross that line. They cross that line where it didn't matter whether they had to leave home, whether they had to uh, travel into a, a, a country where they didn't know of. It doesn't matter whether they had to uh, fight foes that they didn't have the, the strength or the, the courage to fight. Like Gideon, it doesn't matter whether, it, it didn't matter really, period where they had to uh, give their life to Jesus Christ, they were grateful. They were so grateful, they demonstrated it by some some people were sawed in two, as it said in in Hebrews. Some people were destitute, living in caves. We're talking about that type of gratitude. It affects everything. It affects the way I real. My children, it affects the way I relate to my wife. It, it, it affects the way we relate to one another. It, it, it definitely affects the way that I relate to people who don't want me to relate to them or they don't really like me. That affects that too because that's where we don't want to go, cross those lines. And God says, no, you have to cross those lines. How can we go so deep like that? How can we go so deep? 
I can only start imagining that when, when the message was uh, given to me is that I have to think of what he has already done to demonstrate his love. In other words, that we can say we love him because, come on, he first loved us. Well, can we demonstrate our love for him because he first demonstrated his love for us? Did he do that? Well, we know it in John 3.16. What does it say there? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let's look there. And let's look what he says here. We're talking about going so deep now because we're talking about relationships now. Let's put it in perspective. We're talking about relationships. We want better relationships. We don't want our church relationships to be the same way it is towards one another as it is towards when we were, weren't even saved, weren't even born again, hadn't even given our life to Jesus Christ, B.C., before Christ. We don't want our, our behavior to be the same. And it says here, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So now if he first loved me, I can love him. If he first demonstrates his own love towards me, then why shouldn't I be able to demonstrate my love toward him in such a way that it crosses me over the lines where I don't want to go. That's what we're talking about. Did it say that for God, but God demonstrate his own love towards me in it while after I got my life together, after I was really cleaned up, after I, you know, really started behaving well, Christ died for me. Did it say that? No. while I was yet a sinner. So now, that means that changes husband and wife relationships, doesn't it? Because sometimes we want to be upset with each other, contrary towards each other, because of something that one or the other has not done. Right? In our relationship toward one another in the body of Christ, we sometimes get on each other's nerves. Uh, am I in the right place? Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. Um, is, it, is it okay to say then that we're supposed to be to work it out? Is that correct? Work it out. Get over it. Keep pushing. Right? This is where the rubber meets the road. We're not talking about fantasy land. 
You know, as people say, so, well, that's fine, but in real life, this is real life right here. Come on. This is real life right here. Anything else is fantasy land. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really changes things. It changes things how we relate to each other on the job, especially how we relate to someone who's uh, telling our supervisor some things about us that really is not true, trying to get us on the bad side of our super supervisor. God says, love them anyway, right? Bless those who persecute you. We know the scripture, don't we? See, today I'm trying to tell us that we have to move this scripture from our head into our heart so that we can walk it out, so that Christianity will no longer be something that everybody claims to be a Christian. And you can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian sometimes. See, we're trying to get away from that. And the only way we can get away from that is walking this word out because I, I, I guarantee you, you don't see anything in the Bible where Jesus Christ did not make a difference that nobody could tell where he was. When he, everybody knew who, when, when he was in, in, in the neighborhood. He made a difference. Apostle Paul, they, they made differences wherever they went. We're supposed to make a difference wherever we go. We're supposed, people are supposed to see that there's something good different about us. Yeah. That's what God is saying. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Let's go there. Verse 7. And in, in, in that Verse there. Oops. Having been firmly rooted and being now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. We're, we're reviewing what we talked about two weeks ago. We need to be rooted, firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. Firmly rooted. Firmly rooted. And we need to be built up in him also. Built up. You can't be lackadaisical in our building, our rooting. We can't be lackadaisical in that area because it would affect the way we respond to circumstances. Now, how do I become Rooted. How do I become grounded? How do I become built up? Well, first of all, I'm going to have to be born again to be rooted in him. I'm going to have to give my life to Jesus Christ. The second thing I'm going to have to do 
to be built up in him because it just begins. Things just start happening when I give my life to Jesus Christ. It doesn't come to an end. It, it starts beginning at that point, point. And I said, well, okay, God, what am I to do? So the first thing that I need to do is realize in Romans chapter 12, if you turn there, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it tells me that he said, I, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. Then it says something. This is how we become built up. Do not be conformed. In other words, don't let the world, the external things, mold us and shape us into its mold, into its form. Don't let circumstances cause you to be bitter. Don't let circumstances cause you to be anger, angry. Don't let circumstances cause you to be cynical. Don't let circumstances cause you uh, to respond in any way other than how Christ tells us to respond. So it says that don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be transformed. Now, how do we become transformed? How do we go from uh, like a worm, caterpillar, to a butterfly? How do we really become transformed? That same word is used when Jesus went to the mountain of, what they call it? Transfiguration. Jesus was transformed. They saw a difference, didn't they? They saw a difference. The same word. Same word. People should see a difference in us. But how do we become transformed? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of our mind. I need to constantly be renewing my mind. Constantly renewing my mind. Renewing my mind. Renewing my mind. Now, why do we have to constantly be renewing our mind? Because we've been programmed a certain way. We live in a world that we've been told a lot of different things, a lot of different ways to do things. We've been programmed a certain way. So if we want to get a different result, we have to change what is in the mind, what's in the heart, what we've been taught. And we have to start learning what Jesus said. So when we're going to be transformed by the renewing our mind, it has to be according to the word of God. It can't be towards anything else. Let's look at it in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, uh, verse I think, 13. Eighteen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. It says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, we're talking about as in a mirror, you're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And the only way you're going to behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord is you have to look at, at his glory. And his glory is shown whenever it's talking about the Lord. Wherever it's showing us about the Lord. 
this book is full of glory. Because this book is talking about the Lord. From Genesis to Revelation, it's talking about the Lord. It's talking about the Father. It's talking about the Son. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. From the beginning to the end, it's talking about who he is, what he's done, uh, how good he is. So we behold, like in that mirror, the glory of the Lord. Then it says, are being transformed. That's that word, transformed into the same image, into the same image. So suppose I don't behold it. Suppose I say I I don't have the time to behold it. I'm too busy to behold it. I'm not going to be transformed. And he's already told, told us in Romans, be transformed. Be transformed. Show me someone who is not beholding. Every day, the glory of the Lord, I show you someone who is not being transformed from glory to glory. Because that's what it says. I'm not saying anything because I just made this up. I dreamed about it and I thought it was a good thing to say and I'm just saying it. This is the word of God. So when I found this out, my whole teaching life and encouragement life has been trying to encourage people to get in the word. And anybody who know me for, for, you know, 20, 30 years know that. Because I know how wretched I am. I know what need I have. I have a great need to be transformed. Because in me, there is no good thing apart from Jesus Christ. None. Zilch. Before I was transformed, sort of, because I'm still not there, I didn't, (laughs) I thought I was something. Come on. I thought I had some goodness about But the more you behold, the more you find out, I don't have any goodness. Come on. I know you read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. Sometimes you see somebody like, like um, a prophet said, that, oh, me, I have unclean lips. And this is a prophet. Or somebody like Peter fall down and, and think he, he's so wretched, he's not worthy. Most people, when they see Jesus Christ, they're not worthy. They're not worthy. They fall to the ground. They're not worthy to behold him. When we are before him, we should be doing the same thing. 
thinking that we are not worthy. And, and he agrees with us. We are not. That's why he died for us. That's why our life is hid with Christ in God. Because we take on his righteousness. Because our life is hid in him. It's not our righteousness. It's his goodness. I said, oh, that's, that's, oh, that's good, God. That is good. That's why no one going to be able to stand before him and say, I did this and I did this. We're saved by grace through faith. Let's go to another scripture. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Parents, teach your children. I mean, keep drilling it, keep drilling it, keep drilling it. And I know that you say, well, you know, I've heard this before. Uh, You've said that before. We've seen that before. I've heard about ten messages on that. Well, have you ever figured out that God keeps saying the same thing from Genesis to Revelation? I mean, when you read Ephesians, then you get to Colossians, you say, man, he, he must have forgot that he already said that. So he could, he could have just not even sent that letter to Colossians, just, you know, just a ditto, just read the one I sent to Ephesians. But no, he keeps telling us the same thing over and over and over again. And and, and as a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to keep reminding you until I die, I'm going to keep reminding you of what I've already said. Because he knows that we need reminding over and over again. Let's look at verse 12. Because of this relationship now, we're talking about, I want to get to so that that it doesn't matter to me who a person is and what they've done and how bad they annoy me, that I can respond like Jesus. That's how I want to be able to do. And I, I'm not there. I am not there. And and this morning in the showers, uh, you know, I've been studying message some more this morning and, and I was in the shower and I said now I, I wasn't even thinking about the message I was just trying to make sure that uh, I didn't get water in my ears because <laughs> I have the intersection so I said well hmm and then all of a sudden a thought came to me that you don't show much love and I said I thought I show a lot of love and I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about situations, and I said, Lord, you're right. I am really, really, really terrible, and I need this message. I need you to work this message in me because it is not in me. I cannot walk it out unless you change me. Honestly. Honestly. Let, 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 let's talk about it a little bit when we talk about this. Okay, here he tells us 
So as those who have been, who is he talking to? Okay, the those, right? The those in Colossians, okay. Okay, some people now, he's not talking to all of them. He's talking to three types of people. People who have been chosen of God, people who are holy, and people who are beloved. That's who he's talking to. So he's telling us, as a church, that number one, we're chosen. He said, I want you to know that I chose you. I want you to know that. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I want you to know, number two, that that you are holy. That you are set apart, in other words. I, I, I took you out of darkness. I translated you into the kingdom of my dear son. I have set you apart for myself. And you are loved. When we don't know who we are, do you know that it, it, it calls us to behave in such a way that it doesn't represent, it doesn't demonstrate our gratitude for, the, for what he's done for us? Because we don't know who we are. And you say, well, I, I know who I am. You know, I have my birth certificate. I really know who I am. But see, a person who is not loved doesn't show love. Really. I'm, I'm telling you. A, peop, a person who's been abused responds differently. I, I've seen people being, I used to have a teaching, I used to teach. I've seen people who they really cause problems for the other students. They pick on other students and they want to they are, so, they, they are mean to other students. And I found out that almost in all the cases, they have been treated that way at home. They've been slapped, beat, kicked, cursed at, at home. Then they come to school and they take it out on other students. But God tells us that you're chosen, you're set apart, you're loved. We don't have to go treating other people badly. We don't have to not love people because we know we are loved. And so since we are loved, we can love. And since we know the truth, we are loved not because we are lovable, we are loved in spite of ourselves. That means we can love people in spite of themselves. It says here to us, then, we need to do something. He said, I want you to put on a heart of compassion. So we get the impression of we're putting on something, like a coat. Before you go outside, I hope you put a coat on so you won't. Get chill. And he said, put on a heart of compassion. And let's talk about these things that's telling us to put on. These things, if we talk about, if we look at compassion here, if we put on, the King James might say, bowels of mercies. 
if we put on this compassion, it's an inward quality. It's going it's to lead to something. This other thing right beside it, kindness, that kindness is actually a fruit of the Spirit. If, if we went over to Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 22 and over there, it'll tell us that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, a fruit of the Spirit is a result of the Holy Spirit being in, inside of us. It's a, whole, it's a result of, of the Holy Spirit living in us. It, it's a result of the Holy Spirit's life being lived out through us. It's a result of him being in us. Then we're supposed to have kindness. Do we have compa- do we have compassion for people? I said, Lord, I know I have compassion uh, because I give to a ministry called Compassion. You know, no, 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 no. That's 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 one thing. That's good. But let me tell you, God wants us having bowels of mercy. He wants to have compassion. He wants us to be such a, a part of our lives that it causes us, causes us to be kind. See, that, that, that compassion on the inside causes us to be a, have an outward manifestation of kindness, like a, just a sweet spirit. Everybody has a sweet spirit when things are going their way. Right. And let things stop going our way. And then our, our spirit changed, don't we? Then it says, so there's two, two of them together. Then it says, humility. Humility. And we know what humility is. We've talked about humility. Humility, humility is, is our lifestyle. We, we, we know that, that, that Jesus is a humble servant. We know that that... that uh, Moses was the most humble man of all earth. We know about humility. But it has to be in us so much that it causes us to be gentle. Or the King James might say meek. And meek is not weak. Meek is just a, it, 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 it's just a decision that you make that I would do what people ask me to do. I'll do what my Lord and Savior asked me to do. I'm, I'm not going to put my heels in the sand here to drag me. You know, like a wild stallion, uh, if you break a wild, wild stallion, then you can r- ride him. He didn't lose any strength. He just decided he's going to be meek. And so that's what we have to decide, that, that the Lord Jesus can move and flow on us, just like he does, like he did when he rode into Jerusalem. He rode on a what? A donkey? Uh, we, 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 and a donkey is stubborn, isn't it? It's stubborn. But he, he just rode right on up. You know. We want to be meek. Look at the other one. The other one now, patience, which is long-suffering. That's a fruit of the Spirit, too. It will cause us to bear with one another. It'll cause us to forgive one another. That's what it'll cause us to do. 
when we have long suffering. When we when we have it so it's like a if we picture dynamite. Dynamite always have a fuse. Uh, if it doesn't have a fuse, please don't put it near fire because you're not going to get out of the way and it is going to be bad news. So you have to have a fuse. Now, how long would you want that fuse if you had about a trunk load, a suitcase full of dynamite, and it had a fuse running to it? Now, how long would you want it if somebody said, I'm going to light it and I want you to run and get out of the way? How long would you want that fuse to be? Very long. From here to Danville. You know? <laughs> that's, what, that's the way I want it. You know, I don't want, I don't want that thing to be uh, short. Long suffering inside of us has a fuse so long, it's like from here to Danville. It will cause us to bear with one another. You know what bearing with one another is? It's putting up with their weaknesses. That's what it is. Putting up with their weaknesses. Guess what? Their weaknesses are not going to go away easily. And long-suffering does not say that I'll be long-suffering this time, but you get this thing right. No, long-suffering is going to be long-suffering even though they haven't gotten it right. Because God is long-suffering with us, and we surely don't have it right. It's the irritations of people. Because everybody has some weaknesses, believe me. Everyone has some irritations, believe me. And the closer you get to someone, the more you see their weaknesses and the things that irritate you. Is that right? You don't see it from people you don't see very often. You don't even know them. You don't see that. But the closer you get to them. Now, if you live with them, brother and sister, you know, parents, children, children, parents, you know, husband and wife, and you see it, I mean you see it, don't you? Oh, you see it. But isn't it interesting that the people who are close, we're closest to, we seem to have a shorter fuse instead of a longer fuse. See, God said, I want you to work this long-suffering to the point where this fuse is so long that you'll bear with one another. See, I'm talking about relationships now. The, the, the solid foundation for relationships because we can start with marriages. We can do all that, that, that but that's not going to help if each individual person does not get this right. It's not going to help at all. Our vertical relationship with God is supposed to be so ongoing, so intimate, and so passionate uh, that, that it's supposed to affect our horizontal relationship. That's what it's supposed to be. And it says, this is long-suffering. It's not only going to cause you to bear with one another, it's going to also cause you to forgive each other. Forgiving is that you did me wrong. 
I did you wrong. Forgiven is, I'm guilty, but you pardon me. You say, don't worry about the penalty. You're free. I'm going to set you free. That's what forgiven is. We like to forgive people in word, but not in deed. That's what we like to do. But God says, no, I want you to forgive others like I have forgiven you. As a matter of fact, if you don't forgive others like I forgive you, when you pray, (laughs) that's what's going to happen to your prayer because you haven't forgiven people. I want you to forgive people like I've forgiven you so your prayers may be answered. That's so important for relationships. Then it says, whoever has a complaint against anyone Just as the Lord forgave you, you also should forgive them. Now, let me ask you, do you ever have any complaints against people? Yeah. Yeah. Why is it then in the body of Christ we seem to to have a hard time walking that scripture out in Colossians 12? Um, 3, 12, and 13. Uh, why is it so, why is it like that? Why is it we can complain about one another and we want to break fellowship, we want to uh, uh, just, God does not want us to be like the world. God wants us to be like him. That's what God wants to do. Now, I know and you know there are certain things that uh, a certain time you'll start enabling people. You, you, you know, you have to know all the other messages that, that I've taught. You have to know what my heart is. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, if somebody take a frying pan, hit you on the head with it because they didn't like the way you sat down, then you forgive them and you keep on going. Now, you know I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. You know I don't teach that. You know I teach certain things, you know, that, that certain things you don't put up with. Is that correct? There's certain things God's not going to put up with. Yeah. Uh, but the majors, we know what the majors are, we let the manners, the minor things, trip us up. That's what we let. And God doesn't want that, that to be that way. He really doesn't. And when, when we start letting this message right here get in us, it'll start affecting our marriages. It'll start affecting uh, any uh, relationship you have at work. Uh, I don't care how bad it is. In everybody's workplace, usually, is, is something that you would change if you could. Uh, and some people work, if you work in, in, a, in a non-Christian environment, uh, it's, it's, it's re- really usually, uh, you, can, you can have a, a pit of me party every day. 
confusion. But God says, I want you to walk this word out because you are Christ-like. That's what you are. You're Christ-like. But you're going to have to be rooted. And you're going to have to be built up. You're going to have to make sure that you are every single day beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord so that you'll be changed. You'll be transformed. Because if you're not transformed, you will not be able to uh, be long-suffering. You're not going to be able to be compassionate and, and kind to people. You're going to go off on people. Yeah. You'll tell other Christians, you won't tell them probably, you know, because you'll tell them, man, if I don't see you till we get to heaven, it'll be too soon. And I'm telling you, I've said it. I'm I'm serious. That's what came to me in the shower, because I've said it before. (laughs) Before. I said, man, I can't believe they did me like that. I can't believe it. You know, you see them them in the distance from a grocery store down down the aisle, you make sure you don't go down that aisle, you know. Yeah. Come on now, I've been there, come on now. (laughs) And he said, no, no, you got to stop that. You got to stop because that is not the word of God. That that is not transformation. That's not transformation. I want to be transformed. The best way to be transformed is beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding it. And and now once I behold it, I got to practice it. Come on now. I don't want to be just a reader of the word. And I, you know, I checked, mine, I, I checked mine off. I did my devotions, you know, 365 days last year. Uh, who cares if you're not walking in it, you know? I'm saying that if, if you're in it one out of 365 days, don't lie and say, I'm walking in it, because you can't walk in it. If you can walk in it, then we need to all get rid of this right here, because we're wasting time. He says that you be transformed by beholding. I know that I need to behold it. But I don't, not only behold it, I need to practice walking it out. And I need to practice with you. I need to practice with my wife. I need to practice with the elders. I need to practice uh, when, when I get to the worship team meeting. And say, I, I want to practice every single time, every time I'm around somebody. I have to practice. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.